You're listening to Five Things with Lisa Birnbach. Hi, I'm Lisa Birnbach, and I'm a New Yorker. So when I read articles about the death of New York City, I take it very personally. Look, I was born in Manhattan. I was raised in Manhattan. I made a deliberate choice when I started a family to also raise my children in New York City. Why? Because of the vast textures and tastes and smells and humanity in New York. Not just the young people's concerts. Those were great. Not just having the Metropolitan Museum, but all of it. And the people on the street and the homeless people contribute to a sense of gratitude and empathy and compassion for those who have less. It just seemed a rich life. And now people are saying New York is dead. It's done. You know what? That is unacceptable to me. What really hurt New York is when it became a city for rich people. Because when I was growing up, it was a middle-class city. Families could afford to live there. I never took a taxi with my parents where the cab driver didn't have pictures of his children taped to the dashboard and telling us proudly, my son is a doctor, my daughter's a lawyer, and I paid for their education myself. It was doable. You could leap ahead living in New York on a, actually on a one salary family salary, you know, one dad could work, mom might not even work and life was good. And then in the nineties, there were all these rich people who turned New York into their preserve and they would buy up four apartments in a, an apartment building to make the largest apartment in the building so that they could be the feudal lords in the building. And they would use their connections to ensure that they only dealt with the top of the top. And that's when New York got sort of cleaned up. But in my mind, it's when it became less interesting, when it became homogenized, when you could go to Soul Cycle in any neighborhood or go to Whole Foods in any neighborhood or Staples or Starbucks and everything was the same. And you could do those same things in any city in America. Why bother doing them in New York? And trusted, beloved institutions, whether it's a coffee shop or a shoemaker or a little bodega would have to close. Even Rizzoli Bookstore had to close because the building it was encased in had to be demolished for another, I feel like we could all say these, the, this phrase together, luxury condominium, as if there weren't enough luxury condominiums in the city. And by the way, those luxury condominiums are not for New Yorkers. They're for foreign investors or people who want to say, yes, I own a place in New York, or people whose kids went to NYU for half a semester, so they thought they should buy a $4 million apartment. It was gross, and it is gross, and that is what has changed New York. COVID is going to render New York a hibernation period. That's what will happen, but it will not die. It's over 200 years old. It's always been the center of action in this country. It's always been the most cosmopolitan. It's always had the most media, the most arts, the most music, the most excitement, the most humanity, and it will again. Now, there are a lot of people in New York who have left, who have escaped, who've said they will never come back. But I'm not one of those, and my guest this week is not one of those. It's my friend Kurt Anderson back for a second conversation 
We talked last week about his wonderful new book, Evil Geniuses, The Unmaking of America, A Recent History, which is now on the New York Times bestseller list. We talk about how money kind of ruined American politics and culture, just like New York. It's happened to New York. And of course, many of the people who are responsible live here. But Kurt and I have a long history. And over the years, we've devoted way too much time to a certain short-fingered Bulgarian. And this week, we will devote our entire conversation on the man we have followed just in shock over his tremendous success and his tremendous um, uh, shysterism. And that, of course, is Donald Trump. But first, here are my five things of the week. Number one, for the first time in six months, I am with all my exhibits. I couldn't be happier I find myself smiling all the time. We're hanging out, we're cooking, I'm cooking. It's it's great. As soon as we get our COVID tests and know that we're negative, hugging will happen and I will be even happier than I am now. Number two, not in the same level of greatness, but very close are sunglass readers. This is an important discovery of mine. And a very important invention, I think almost Nobel quality. For people who like to read but like to also sit outside in the sun, boom, reading glasses that are sunglasses or sunglasses that are reading glasses. It's brilliant. I'm so excited about them. Number three, Oatly Full Fat Milk. I'm not a member of the Oatly company. I'm not on their payroll. I think I should be. They have no idea that I love them so much, but their newest product is richer, heavier, thicker, fatter. It's like half and half, and it's very good. Number four, green plants. Any sign of life is very welcome now. Don't underestimate what a potted plant can do for you. And number five, the truth. In the real world, truth is based on research fact-finding, science. There are empirical ways to know if something is true or not. This week at the Republican National Convention, you will hear that the fear of COVID is overblown, and you will hear or will have heard that 180,000 Americans was a pretty adequate number of people to sacrifice for the pandemic. That is not true. That could never be true. Coming up, a true friend, Kurt Anderson. Well, Kurt, it's nice to see you again or see your voice. So much has happened since we last spoke. I know. I know. Republicans taking over the Democratic convention. But I wanted to talk really about Donald Trump, because he's been like a gnat in our consciousnesses for so long. When you lived in New York in the 70s and 80s, you knew about Donald Trump. He was an annoying person who was looking for headlines and attentions. He was he was not even P.T. Barnum, no. right? Well, he was, a, he was a very much a poor man's 
B.D. Barnum. I love when people say he's a poor man's idea of a well, rich man. And ab- in that case, a literally poor people's idea of a rich man. Absolutely. I didn't become even aware of him. I mean, he was, maybe you were aware of him earlier as, as an actual born and bred New Yorker than I was, but I, I, I didn't really become aware of him until the 80s. Maybe not. I mean, the first time I was fully aware of him was when my friend and soon-to-be partner uh, in creating Spy Magazine, Graydon Carter, went to do a profile of him for uh, GQ Magazine and came back to wherever we were, maybe just hanging out or maybe we had some little office, I forget, and said, I interviewed this guy, Spent just spent an hour with this guy, uh, Donald Trump. I got to say, for a a guy who's over six feet, he's got the small, shortest fingers I have ever seen (laughs) in my life. And it was typical of Graydon to... To, to fixate on such a thing, and and uh, mm-hmm. anyway, so then we started spy, and 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 he was a regular character in our in our coverage. Uh, he was in our very first issue, which was called "Jerks: The Ten Most Annoying New Yorkers." Was the was the cover story, <laughs> and in and he was one of the ten. In which, amazingly, in from thirty four years later, he he talks about how oh, if he were president. He could he could end the missile problem with Russia Soviet Union overnight. He just he know he he learned everything he needed to know in a in, a, in an hour and go fix it. And right. he, that's what he was quoted right. as saying well, in his just, in his little right. <laughs> entry as one of the ten jerkiest people in New York. Yeah. So so yeah. Um, so yes, he became a regular figure of substantial uh, both substantial journalistic coverage that we did investigative journalism and just you know uh, monthly ridicule. A figure of der- right, a figure right. of derision because he was not somebody we took seriously. Right. He he was just a bragger yes. uh, and really. a bully and 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 a, and, a, and, and a in bully. our snobby. Manhattan-y way, we looked down upon him because he was this uh, bridge and tunnel guy and all that as well. <laughs> and 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 again, which 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 fed not that we did it, but that we it fed his contempt for the elite that he was always trying to be part of by being a developer in in Manhattan. You know, right? Well, you talk in your book, Evil Geniuses, about culture wars, and I feel that Donald Trump wanted to plop himself right in the middle. But he didn't know what side to take because, on the one hand, he hates all the Ivy right. Leaguers who are so elite and feat, And then he says he had the best education in the yep. world at yep. Penn, at yep. Wharton. And of course, he transferred from Fordham, which he never mentions. After, and, after his friend took know, his SATs for him. After his friend Shapiro <laughs> took his SATs for him. And meanwhile, he has, I think, lost cognitive ability and, and vocabulary from when you sent me to Mar-a-Lago in 1995 or six to now. He doesn't have many words. And by the way, just to be clear, I didn't send you there just as my friend. I sent you there as I assigned you to write a piece when I was editing New York Magazine to do a piece about right. this thing he just bought, right? Or he'd had it for a while at that right. point, I guess. No, he'd had it for a long yeah. time, and he bought it at a basically at a garage right. sale. Mar-a-Lago was supposed to, Marjorie Merriweather Post gave it to some governmental agency, and then they didn't want it anymore. So he got it at a very discounted price, I think $10 million or $5 million. And it was really a beautiful Moorish architecture estate. And the reason I went was he was turning it into a club, a private club. And I was going to be the first person who saw it. And the funny thing is, I mean, it's as if you sold membership to your house in Connecticut. Who would do that? I'm thinking about it, frankly. (laughs) You can be the first member. 
Thank you. Thank you. So when we spent time with him, when I spent time with him, he wasn't malign in any way. He was very eager to be validated. The only thing that was, you know, sort of um, dishy and bad was that he said he would really like to have, he sort of suggested that if he had wanted to join the Bath and Tennis Club, which wouldn't accept Jews or or people like Donald (laughs) Trump, right? Um, He could, but he didn't want to. So he was building an even better club. And he got very upset when that was quoted in the article. Well, and and the other, I mean, as long as we're going down this particular Trumpian memory lane, when I, right not long before that, uh, when I just been hired to be the editor of New York Magazine. There was a story about that and me in this uh, weekly magazine called Media Week that covered the media. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it talked about me and where I'd done, done spy and now doing this and blah, blah, blah. It quoted Donald Trump as saying, you know, Kurt's done a great job. He's really livened up the thing. <laughs> And, uh, and and, and, and uh, then he tore out that page of Media Week magazine and with his big Sharpie wrote, wrote uh-huh. uh, and that was a poll quote. You know, a big quote of Donald Trump on yeah. Kurt Anderson. He, and with his Sharpie, he wrote, so true, i.e. <laughs> what he has just said in this and has been quoted saying in this magazine. So true, signed Donald Trump in that, you know, heart attack uh, signature right. of his. Um, right. And uh, I had forgotten all about that. Our, our, our basement flooded a few years ago. And and we were cleaning it out, and in a file I found this this page now a little bit soaked with sewage, but uh-huh. but and appropriately so. But I I recovered it, and I and and I was so happy. It was hope you framed oh, I, it indeed, and it was it was his first yes. year in office as president. It was like some providential thing. Anyway, um, wow. I have that now. I wow. have I have Donald Trump's assertion of of his approval of me. Uh, with the with the sharpie with the whole thing, and of course, you know, when I was fired a couple of years later, he w- he couldn't wait to go to the tabloids and say, "I hated that guy. Glad to see the back of his yeah. head. He was terrible." He probably because you had insulted his club in my magazine. I uh, yeah, well, I may have insulted it, but I only used his words. Um, the thing about him, though, was his ambitions were still. Atlantic City. He still had Trump Airlines, stakes. Football team. Champagne. Yeah, football team, right. He didn't yet have a university, I don't no. think. But he but so he was branching out. There was a Trump game, a board game, I think Milton Bradley did it. All of but which failed. Let's stipulate. He, none of those things actually worked as business. None. Just none. But the thing is, he was only interested in marketing Correct. himself. He thought the name Trump was money. No. He, he just felt like he shows up and people throw money at him. And I wonder exactly what made him want to be president, a job he, of course, was never qualified for, and a job, don't you think he hates it? Well, I have thought he hates it. But the other thing I've thought from from back then was I have never encountered a person, I had never encountered a person in my life, still haven't, who needed attention of any and every kind as badly and desperately as he did. It was true back mm-hmm. then. That's the thing to me that's unchanged about him. It was mm-hmm. weird then, and it was why he had, you know, posed as his own PR men to get him mm-hmm. publicity. It's it's why, you know, it's it's everything he did was about that. I want attention, which he then found he could indeed monetize by Trump, Trump, Trump. I can sell it. You know, it's a brand. Mm-hmm. So 
I think he's a miserable wretch of a human being and always has been. I think his miserable wretchedness is more obvious as president. Mm -hmm. But here's a guy who wants, I want to be famous. I want people to pay attention to me. There is no, no, well, no human are. being, I don't know, in centuries, maybe ever, who more people on planet Earth know and pay attention to. And in my case, and in many Americans' case, think about every hour of every day. So yeah. that should make him happy. I, it, it doesn't because I don't think he's able to be happy, but it, right. it is what he wanted. You know, it, it is what, he, yeah, what his he pathological need is all about. And then, of course, he couldn't do what he's done without having turned the GOP into his Play-Doh, yes. his Play-Doh yes. factory. I mean, that's the thing that is so crazy is to think about, in particular, Lindsey Graham. But the cult of you have to stick with us, you can't be independent, you can't have a thought. Jim Jordan, all these disgusting people who would take a bullet yeah. for him. Well, I there think. are there's the cultish and and Jim Jordan. I, th I you know reminds me of Jim Jones. Their names sound almost like speaking yes. of cult. But there's those guys and the Matt Gateses and those kind of grifter yes. cultist guys. But the reason the Mitch McConnells and the rest, uh, in addition of being scared of his tweets and all that, are you know have just been shockingly, disgustingly obedient to him for these three and a half years since they said he was a kook and a nut and a racist and a bigot and, when he was and a racist all that, and, right. is because, as I explained in my book, Evil Geniuses, it's all about the money. It's all about, I got to keep taxes as low as possible, got to keep the stock market as high as possible, got to keep regulation off big business. And as long as he agreed to do that, which he has to a fairly well from the get-go, even though he campaigned essentially mm -hmm. as a Bernie Sanders with bad hair, he, he, they'll, they'll live with it because all they care about and all the well-to-do Republicans that I know and have talked to about it care about is how do we keep the stock market up and how do I get my keep my taxes as low as possible? Democracy, racism, end of the American experiment, all the rest, eh, whatever. Sorry, too bad. The stock market's going to stay high and, and my taxes are going to stay low, period. Now, okay, okay, so... I I accept that. I hate it. I accept that is why this is happening. But why is the market so high when everything is so bad? Well, that's that's another thing. I did, I knew, I mean, you know, we all own a little stocks in our retirement funds. I didn't know anything about the financial industry. I didn't know when people talked about financialization, what that meant until I did the research for this book. And it's because over the last 40 years in many, many different ways, stock market has become this, I hate to say it because I, I, I was never a Bernieite particularly, but you know, now I, I, I guess in some measure I am, but it's a rigged system. It is a rigged system that is just feeds itself. And the fact that 88 or almost 90% of stocks are owned by the 10% wealthiest people, even though, mm -hmm. you know, the, rest, the other 90% of people have their little 10% of little bits and pieces of the stock market. It is this thing that only serves itself. I mean, for instance, I knew nothing about stock buybacks. How did that, what is that, huh? You know, it's, mm -hmm. one more of these things that was changed that was essentially illegal until 1982. 1982, like, eh, go ahead, companies, you can buy back your own stock, whatever. Yeah, I know it looks like manipulating the stock price, but it's good, fine, do it. Today, most big companies spend most of their profits, I mean, like, the overwhelming majority of their profits on buying back their own stocks to make the stock yeah. price go up. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Sounds like a 
crooked scheme to me. Um, sure does. Um, and, and I, you know, I mean, and, and there's some hopefulness, you know, I, I am not without hope because people are starting to see, and during the pandemics, a lot of people, even on the right, started talking about, what is it with these stock buybacks thing? Well, it was just one of a hundred, one of 500 things that was changed in order to, uh, you know, accommodate the business right, round right. table and, 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 these and, 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 and members yeah. of the Mar-a-Lago club, you know? Yes, yes. Isn't that something? I think when I've seen pictures of him presiding over dinner with his daughter and Prime Minister Abe, and then all his, you know, club yeah. members come over and talk to them too. It is the, you know, VIP deck of the Titanic. <laughs> yeah. It just looks yeah. terrible. Yes. Just terrible. Do you think it's possible with the rigging and the voter suppression and the mail? the post office hijacking that he could win another of course term? It's possible. Of course it's possible. Oh I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 I wasn't as in 2016, I'm not saying I was so brilliant or anything in 2016, but I, when, when I saw these, these models that said it's 87% chance that Hillary Clinton will win, it's you know, all those things. My, my thought was like, yeah, she'll probably win. Of course. But my thought was always like, you mean, it's a one in twelve chance that he'll win. That's kind of like Russian roulette. I wouldn't. I don't play Russian roulette, and I wouldn't. Right. I wouldn't jump out of a plane if I had a one in twelve chance that my parachute wouldn't open. That's 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 right. scary. And I, I never yeah. got that out of my head. And so I, I, so you know, the parachute failed. The bullet went off, and and he was elected, and he can be reelected. And yes, he's making it, even though you know, fifty five percent of America hates him. And once him gone, between sowing confusion and chaos and making people doubt the veracity of the election, and, you know, because people are kooky and dumb and crazy and selfish, uh, who knows? Yes, it could happen. Uh, knock wood. Uh, but yeah. uh, we have to do everything possible to prevent that. Because, you know, in this book, my last book, this book called Fantasy Island, I, I, I maintain a kind of 51% hopefulness at the end. Like, oh, we, we can pull out of this. Can't we, America? Sure, we can pull out of this. I'm telling you, if whenever it is, whatever day that is, probably not November 4th, that we're sure of the outcome, if it doesn't go well, if it doesn't go right, I will yes. be. I I will give up my. Gosh shucks, Nebraska uh, American optimism. Uh, maybe once and for all, it, it'll. It, it, I wow. really feel like this is yeah. it. This is this is a kind of crossroads that we go to hell or not. Yes, yes, I do too. And honestly, the numbers of conversations I've had with friends talking about where can we move, where do we go, what do we do? It's not that we want to give up. But if our country and its values and its constitution have been ignored or shredded, then we've been let down too, especially people who care, who are active, who put their passion in politics and care about other yeah. people. I mean, if, well, I don't like to imagine it. No, well, it will be. And, and I was, it's funny, somebody, I was, talking about the book the other day and somebody was saying, well, let's say he's reelected. What will those four years be like? And I was, I hadn't really thought about that in very, in much mm -hmm. specificity. And, and we ended up not talking about it, but I was thinking what, in addition to my own personal sense of horror and it being the end of the American experiment after 250 years, what will that be like? And it, it will just be, it will be chaos. It will, and, yes. and it, of course it depends on Senate, House, Republican, Democratic control. Right. If either way it will be chaos 
Because even if, let's say, and it's hard to imagine, but let's say the Republicans control kept kept the Senate or even controlled the House, what are they going to do? I mean, they've they've gotten everything they want. Are are they going to yeah. are they going to make abortion illegal nationally? Well, that would be a political disaster, oh, among other. Oh, but I guess that's what they would want because that seems to be the crux of what all these old white men well, want. Yeah. is to ban. Abortion. Yeah, I mean, certainly. I mean, I don't know about the old white men for for themselves because you know they they paid for many abortion themselves. But exactly. but certainly the 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 a large a majority of the Republican coalition cares about that issue very much. But I again I, that would be a what could they do? They've disemboweled every right. federal agency right. already. And they're going about that you know, fast, and could, taxes are as low as they can be, and they're right. deregulating everything. And the judges, like, I guess the judges, but, I guess they'll just... Um, but, uh, yeah, I, so, so, so how horrible it is uh, if he were to be reelected really, 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 really depends on Congress, you know? I mean, if it's a Democratic right. Congress, right. like then he's just, you know, he's kind of a, a, a more unhinged lame duck from day one. You know, well, remember what he did after his impeachment, and maybe people forget that he was impeached <sighs> already, but he retaliated. He did terrible things. He did terrible things to Utah immediately because Mitt Romney, right. you know, he hates Mitt Romney, and Mitt Romney yeah. stood up. And he punished New right. York instantly. The thing I wonder, though, because he doesn't really give a shit about any of the policy stuff, one way or the other. Right. You know, right. He, he he's all about his own wealth, and right. people at rallies, and, oh, we love you, we love you. But once he's reelected, if he were to be reelected, I wonder if he would stop obeying the evil geniuses, stop obeying the Mitch McConnells. Because, like, why? What, 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 what's in it for me to help you? But he doesn't really. He doesn't really care exactly. about them or their issues. So, so he could no. go. He could be a, like a wild beast that everybody hates except his cult. You know, because I, right. I, I, if right. he were reelected, I honestly, you know, unless he said, "Yep, no taxes and Medicare for everybody," and I'm now. Uh, I'm not the president I ran claiming I was going to be in 2016. Uh, short of yeah. that, I just, it's going to be a chaos. And he'll be looking, in addition to avoiding being prosecuted when he's <laughs> out of the presidency, he will be looking, it seems to me, just for the big grift for Jared and Ivanka and himself. And, you know, how do, right. I, how do I make actual many billions of dollars out of this before I'm out of here? That's what it will all be all about if there were to be, God forbid, a second term. And of course, he's... As George Conway points out all the time, he probably has some frontal lobe dementia. Yeah. So he will, at the same time, have rallies in which the only purpose is to show that he can walk and drink a glass of water with yeah. one hand. I mean, I did see, I can't watch Fox, it makes me crazy, but I did see the softball interview where Sean Hannity asked him what his platform yes. was for his re-election campaign. He doesn't have one. He said experience is a very interesting yes. word. And he gave him another yeah. chance. And and no, and 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 that to me wasn't even evidence of dementia. It's like I don't care. I don't well, yeah, whatever. You I know, who care. knows? I'll just keep making America great. You know, if if yeah. on the other hand, as we hope, as the odds are that he, he's defeated and and leaves. Yes. I, I do one of my speculative uh, fantasy is too strong because I think it could happen. I've, I've thought recently that he, if he really faces serious prosecution, which I believe he will in various mm -hmm. forums and courts, what happens if he skedaddles to Russia? 
and, Russia. And, 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 and yeah. you know, not, no extradition there. And, and, and he has his whatever, hundreds of millions, maybe billions of dollars, and he's there with or without the wife. And uh, yeah. uh, I, I could actually see that happening and him spending his, last, his remaining years, which could be 20, his, his, his father lived t- till his mid-90s. But my, my question is, will his cult, who among his, the people who love him today would would still right. love him and say he was driven out. He it was stolen election. These libtards. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, some large fraction of them would still be on his side, which would be amazing, amazing interesting, pathetic, disgusting, whatever. But, but yeah. that's one of my yeah. my uh, uh, futures that I that I look forward to. Well, I think I think uh, he. I, I yeah. God forbid he wins. I don't think he will. But what. I am fearing is literally a civil war. His his people who are armed, after all, uh, you know, taken to the streets everywhere. Yeah, it could happen. Uh, could happen. It could. Happen. I know. I mean, That's anything can happen. To look and, to. And, and and you see anything. You know, the, these 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 uh, you know thuggish customs border patrol guys that, who were in Portland and. And and these little Praetorian guards he has are, are certainly, among other things, I think, by him are intended to make you and us and the world fear exactly that. Um, oh, but, yes. you know, yeah, we'll see. Let's hope it doesn't get to that. <laughs> I mean, we can, we can go all kinds of speculative ways. But I am, I, I for instance, I have maybe, <laughs> I have some faith in the U.S. military. I do. That if it mm-hmm. get, got to that true constitutional crisis, no, I'm not leaving. It was fake. I'm still president. That uh, it would not stand. I am hopeful that that's true. Well, and, and Joe Biden says, I'm not worried. Yeah. I, the military are yeah. my friends. Yeah. No, so like, yeah. I and think, then, and then of course, so. 28% of Americans will say, yes, we had a coup. A coup took him out. You know, and, and that would be horrible. And 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 he would have, he would be the cause of that new significant fraction of Americans thinking that a military coup had taken out a legitimately elected president and that would be terrible. Wow. But, you know. wow. Well, you know what? I mean, I, as I say every day, because I think about him, as you said, every hour, every day that mm-hmm. I'm awake. And unfortunately when I sleep, I think um, history will be, I mean, the history books will yep. be written and Bill Barr will be the center of some and Trump will, I mean, well, it's it's unfathomable that he will be treated as anything but a tragic, yes. cataclysmic, yes. self-interested all, all person that. who was not good all for America. And, although yeah. I do think, assuming yeah. we beat him, it's important to remember, for those of us uh, who disapprove of him, that it's not just him. He was a horrible, freakish symptom right. of this whole mm-hmm. set of things. So getting rid of him does not solve the problem. No, we need a, right. just as they had a denazification in Germany and a debathification mm-hmm. in Iraq, we'll need a detrumpification, truly, in the country yeah. of some yeah. sort. We'll need an ideological sage to be burned all around yeah. the country to really purge the self-interested out of out of power. Yeah. Well, and the, the the I mean, again, everybody wants what they want for themselves, but it just it's gotten so crazily out of balance. That, and the the kind of turning of just plain greed and selfishness into these kind of righteous, almost sacred impulses and pursuits is the hideous thing. I mean, you know, we all like what we like. You know, whether it's salted roasted pepitas and they're expensive or whatever. <laughs> and but 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 it's this it's this 
just me, just me and my selfish greed, and and I don't care about anybody else, and they're on their own. Screw you. It, it really it, that 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 became the the kind of American way. You know, was in a way it didn't used to be, and, and Donald Trump is the cartoon, you know, avatar yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you wake up angry in your gold palace on your gold sure. toilet, that's what yeah. happens. Uh, Kurt. Lisa. It's always fantastic to talk to you. It would be good if we could find your other list of five things for this particular edition. Do you know where hmm. it is? Maybe I'm not going to get to all five because I repurposed because the pepitas okay. were in that I were yes. salt, roasted salted pepitas, which we did in the last show, uh, were in that. But one of them was, and it comes from having just put out this book during the pandemic. Turned it in in February, you know, and here it is. And so, amazing. Yeah, right? Isn't that amazing? Well, it is amazing. Right. And I tell you, I was moved. I was really. I mean, you had the pandemic in yes, your book. that too. But what I was moved by, one, so one of my five things was professional competence and conscientiousness. And yes. I was moved by copy editors, production editors, editors, publicity people, all these people at Random House who, in this pandemic, we're doing their jobs as yeah. well or better as they ever did. And and my editor, my actual wonderful editor, Mark Warren, had COVID during the editing process. Um, <gasps> oh, wow. And, and, and survived and is fit as a fiddle and healthy as a horse and all those things. I, I just found myself moved by that, as I do in general. Anytime anybody does whatever their job is, superbly and conscientiously, I literally don't care what the job is. I, I, I am touched and moved. And again, not to bring yes. everything back to Donald Trump, but Donald Trump is a guy who has, I mean, what is his job and what has his job ever been and how has he done it well? Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, he's the opposite. Yes. He, what I'm talking about and I love is a kind of Yankee old fashioned American thing. Yes, and yes. Not right. just like blustery self-advertisement BS, which is what he's all about. So anyway, that was one of them. Well, yeah, you know what? We don't okay. have to do okay, all five. Okay, okay. I mean, I'm going to okay. give you a pass because okay. you got two shows. But you know what, Kurt? The all-American can-do optimist, do your job well, is something that I miss, something that I, I also call it yes. decency. Because Donald Trump is the Kardashians. You are famous for being famous. Right. You have no skills to right. speak of. You have no goodness to yes. spare. You're just about right. yourself. And it used to be, we used to live in a country where you became famous, I suppose, if you did something, did something right. great. If you did something that was important, if you were Dr. Schweitzer, if you were Jane Adams, if you were a president, a senator, a doctor, Dr. Spock, it doesn't matter who you were, but you did something that had value for others, and that is right. gone, and that is what we need to bring back. Uh, and that's that's a hard, heavy lift, but yes, I, I one hopes. Another thing that makes me hopeful is that Donald Trump, for the 55% of Americans who disapprove of him, will become this cautionary tale that applies elsewhere. Yes. Like, yeah, this was all about, you know, it was the no beef, all sizzle, just performance, just playing a character, all that. You know, it could be, well, this is what happens if you don't care about the actual substance of life and and decency mm -hmm. and all those things you said. Yeah, exactly. And and similarly, I, I think maybe maybe the pandemic, maybe the obvious badness of the way this 
party and this president handled it will make people think like, yeah, we really do need a government to do certain things like maintain public health, right? You know, um, right. So, so maybe, right. maybe, I, you know, again, until I'm done, I do tend to maintain, I look a little bit on the bright side of life until they crucify me. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And uh, it's all over. But no, I, I we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I am hopeful. But my God, it's, yes. When we started yakking together about Donald Trump nearly 40 years ago. I never I never thought we'd still be yakking mm. about him. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Kurt, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your book, Evil Geniuses, The Unmaking of America, will surprise you, will surprise you and delight you and certainly make you think. I'm just delighted by it. It's, it's a major piece of work, Kurt. Thank you. You're Good on you. Yeah. Okay, this has been Five Things That Make Life Better with Lisa Birnbach. My guest this week, again, has been Kurt Anderson. He's a best-selling author, co-founder of Spy Magazine, co-founder of Insiders, Inside.com, that's what I meant. Back during the dot-com bubble days. And he was my boss. Well, was I though? Was I really your spot. boss? Well, I don't know about that. no. But yeah, yeah, you were the boss yeah, of me yeah. a little bit. But, but yeah. less than other people uh, that worked there at the time. Yes, yes. And I enjoyed every minute. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate and review us. It helps get new listeners. My blog is at lisabernbach.com where you will find links and photos to all the things in this program. You can follow Kurt Anderson on Instagram at Kurt B. Anderson, on Twitter at KB Anderson, and Facebook at Kurt Anderson Books. And also you can visit his website, kurtanderson.com. This podcast is produced in New York City by thefieldtv.com. My engineer is Kevin Watkins. My team is Espresso Rucci, Michael Port, Boko Half, Sam Haft. Until next week, wear a mask and act natural. Bye-bye. That was Five Things with Lisa Bernbach. New episodes every Friday, if she remembers.